following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Well, good morning, family. Good to see you guys this morning. Um, Really excited about what we're about to jump into. Uh, We're about to jump into a topic that's going to get some of you guys fired up and maybe some of you guys nervous, okay? So I just want to say that right from the beginning. Uh, This is a topic that um, used to do a lot of ministry in uh, prison facilities and youth youth facilities, detention facilities. And um, when I would go in there to minister to these kids, I would say, hey, what do you guys, uh, we'll do a Bible study on anything. What do you guys want to do? What do you guys want to look into? And nine times out of 10, the kids would say, revelations, revelate, like, what is the end of the story? What's the end of the book? What, how does this thing wrap up? How does it end up? What's it going to look like? What's going to go down? In what order? What do we look for? And so we're going to be doing a series on the book of Revelation. And I want to encourage you guys to, to dig into this. Dig into this. This is exciting. This is an amazing time because God gives you and I a way to literally know the future. God lets us know the future. And that's amazing that you and I actually can know the future. And so we're going to be looking at this today. I wanted to jump right in because we got a lot to cover. It's exciting. Uh, Again, I want to encourage you, this should not cause any anxiety in you. It should give you great peace. Um, When we look at some of the circumstances that the Bible lays out uh, that point to what an end times generation looks like, Uh, you might be surprised to see some things that fit our generation, but that did not and could not fit any generation before us. And so it's pretty amazing. God made you for such a time as this. Uh, God could have had you born in his sovereignty. He could have had you born in any part of human history. And it's possible that the most exciting thing that you ever would get to see is maybe a stagecoach rolling at the town once a week. Like, that was so cool. Stagecoach came today. Wow. That's it. You could have been born in any time of history, but God has you right here, right now, and the world is literally waking up on a whole nother level, and the Bible talks about this kind of time. So I want to unpack some things for you. Again, this shouldn't freak you out. It shouldn't cause anxiety. It should give you great peace and it should give you amazing purpose. And the reason it should give you amazing purpose is because God in his sovereignty placed you here in a time like this when the world was waking up at this level. And we're going to see some things prophetically in scripture going on that you would have to say, wow, it sounds like God is about to do something big. God's about to do something big. So uh, the book of Revelation is such a powerful book of illustration and pictures and and a rollout of a sequence of time that we wanted to set it up this week. uh, And we're going to look at a few scriptures, uh, mainly the gospel of Luke, which is the first thing Jesus spoke about when he was asked about what will the end days, latter days look like? What's going to happen? What will be the signs? How will we know? So we're going to look at Jesus' words. Uh, but before that, I want to set this up with a couple of foundational scriptures. And you don't have to turn. We can just put them right up here on the screen for you. Uh, Isaiah 46.10. L- listen to some of the things the Bible speaks about prophecy and end days. It says this in Isaiah 46.10. Um, I make known the end from the beginning 
from the ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. This is amazing because this is telling us not only does God know the end from the beginning, which he does, he says he makes it known. This is amazing. Yes, God knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning, but he makes it known. God makes the future known to his people through scripture, through the, through the power of his word and the prophecies contained in the Bible. But that's amazing to me that God not only knows it, but he makes it known if you and I want to get in on that revelation. The word of God is full of revelation, full of understanding, full of sequences and rollout and things that we can uh, look at to determine the times and know where we're at in the big scope of God's stopwatch. Where are we in this picture? And it's a, it's a valid question. It's something we should ask. And, and, and the Bible is telling us not only does God know it, but he makes it known to you and I. That's amazing to me. Uh, the, the book that Pastor Scott was teaching on last week, uh, the book of Habakkuk, it says this in Habakkuk 2.3. Uh, I just want to throw this one up here because, on the screen as well because this is amazing too. Listen, for the revelation awaits an appointed time and it speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it and it will certainly come and will not delay. This is saying much of prophecy is written down, and it's not for the prophet writing it down in their time. It's for a later time. And, and much of prophecy was done that way. It was done for uh, you know, either weeks, months, or years after it was written, but much of the prophecy was written for the, the, the later days. And, and what God is saying here is that what I said is going to happen is going to happen. It's not going to prove false. You've got to know that. And though it linger, though it linger, Because you and I don't tend to look at God's stopwatch. We kind of just live our life and we go through our life and, you know, wherever, you know, whatever God might have for us or wherever our life might lead us. But God is saying, listen, it might linger to you or you might think things are waiting, but I've taken a long time, but wait for it because God is saying it's certainly going to come and it's not going to delay. So God's chronology, his timeline is fully in force. It's rolling out right now. He's got a timeline and it has to do with so many details. We're going to look at some of the scriptures over the next uh, coming weeks on what these details look like. But again, don't have anxiety over this. Be excited that he has you here for such a time as this to be an important part of the mix, an important part of what God is doing, an important part of, of really helping to wake up a generation of people uh, before God has some of these, uh, uh, this amazing culmination, which is going to be a powerful, explosive, and amazing. Uh, here's another one, Daniel 12.4. I love this one. This, this is a remarkable scripture. This scripture is remarkable because it reveals some details about what the latter days look like. And I don't mean the end of the world. I mean getting towards the end where there's some clear indications when things start happening, they start happening really quicker. That's the way scripture rolls it out. And when are things gonna start happening in the sense that God comes in 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 an intentional way and there's a fast rollout? This is what Daniel says it will be like when things are gonna start ticking really quick. And it says this in Daniel 12, 4, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro 
and knowledge shall increase. This is amazing. He's saying, Daniel, I'm giving you this revelation, and we're going to refer to Daniel quite a few times as we go through the book of Revelation because there's things that Daniel wrote that are really uh, amazing snapshots and timelines of the future that you begin to see in the book of Revelation. You're like, oh, that's what Daniel was talking about, and they're very connected. Well, one of the things he's telling Daniel is write this down, but close your scroll, roll it up, put it away. It's not for you or your people or for in a few years. This is for a whole nother time, a whole nother season of life. This is for generations later of people. So close your scroll and seal it, but later on they will get it. They will understand it in the right season. They'll understand the revelation, the prophecy. And what it says is the time of the end, the sealed for later, that time is marked by, he's saying it in the same breath, the same sentence, uh, it, it's, this is how people will recognize the season, is that it will be marked by, it says, people shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Now, Daniel is writing about something that he doesn't understand, because it has nothing to do with his generation. Uh, it would almost be like me telling you about beaming up and down onto a spaceship, and I was trying to explain it to you, but I don't know what to base that on, and you're going, I don't really fully get that. And God says, it's okay, put it away for later. They'll understand what that looks like later. What he's telling Daniel is that the end time generation, it will be marked by people going to and fro really fast. It will be marked by the way we travel. Think about this. The end times generation will be marked by the way we travel. And listen, people have traveled the same way for thousands and thousands of years, either on a donkey, on a horse, on a camel, or in some kind of buggy, or on a boat with some kind of uh, sail, no matter what shape the boat was. You look at the Phoenician generation or the Romans, you look at any generation, the ancient Chinese generations, you look at all the generations, some kind of boat with a sail. This is going on for thousands of years, not a whole lot of innovation, not a whole lot of change. In fact, they even came over to America on the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria, right? The Mayflower, right? Same thing. Nothing's changed for thousands and thousands of years. And yet, we break into an industrial revolution out of nowhere. And within 100 years, we're sending things to Mars and to space and jumbo jets around the world loaded with hundreds of thousands of people at one time in the air zipping all over the place where everyone commutes in cars and... and, uh, You know, how would you explain this in Daniel's day? How would you give him an aerial view of the 101 and the 405 looking down? How would you explain that to people in Daniel's time? But that's people going to and fro really fast, being able to take trains and planes, automobiles, all just flying around everywhere. And this will be an indication. People will be traveling fast with a lot of options. You could not say that in any generation of humanity, but you can certainly say it now. Here's another explosive one. He says it right in the passage. The end time will look like this. Many will sh- shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Now that's interesting because knowledge was very slow to increase over the years of humanity. In fact, sometimes there was even a setback where it seemed like prior generations were doing better than th- this generation. The dark ages is a period like that where it seemed like things went into reverse for a while. But, but knowledge was rolled out little by little and people understood. Sometimes they recorded that knowledge, handed it down. Sometimes they didn't. So knowledge has been slowly chugging along since the beginning of time. And then all of a sudden, the end time is going to be marked by an explosion of information, an explosion of knowledge. 
And you know where you can find that? www. Poof, poof. Information explosion. Right now in your pocket, because everyone in the room I'm sure has a smartphone, every one of you right now in your pocket can learn about anything ever invented on planet Earth. You can learn about all the knowledge of all the generations prior to you right now in your pocket pocket. There's an explosion of information, an explosion of knowledge that did not last to any other generation. In fact, that didn't even last, uh, that wasn't around even 15, 20 years ago. How many of you guys had a Palm Pilot? Anybody have a Palm? Old school. Okay, and when the new iPhone came out, that was really cool. So this revolution is pretty much a new one to get all the World Wide Web right in your fingertips, in your pocket. That is a day and a time. Don't take it for granted. The history of humanity has never seen this. Ever, ever, ever. Couldn't even imagine the concept, this idea, this premise of having all this knowledge right in your hand. The end time will be marked by mass transit and it will be marked by information explosion. And that's why the internet's called, the web is called the information highway, right? Information highway, an explosion of information, a highway that never existed and now it's ripping at a million miles an hour and everyone can jump on and off anytime they want. It's amazing to me. And these are signs. In fact, increased knowledge is verified by scientists who study knowledge and generations and societies. Uh, they're saying that not only is knowledge accelerating, but that the acceleration is even accelerating. Uh, things are happening faster and faster and faster, breakthroughs of technology, because we have more knowledge to create more knowledge, and there's a rollout, and God says, this will be a climate, that will be a sign, an indicator, that that generation is an end times generation. Again, don't let it freak you out. You should have peace. You should be glad that God had you born in a time like this, when it could have been the most like boring time in, you know, in humanity. You could have been born on the back of some hill somewhere where you never got to see anything cool, You get to see all kinds of stuff rolling out right now in high definition, and God has you here for this time. It's amazing. Here's another remarkable sign. Uh, Matthew 24, 14, Jesus is talking about, you know, when, when, when is this end times generation and how will we know? And Jesus says this in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then... Then, boom, then the end's going to come. What that's saying is that the word of God is going to be preached. Uh, The word of God is going to make it to different sections around the world that it had never made it to. Now, you could not have said that. Uh, You look at since the time of Jesus, 2,000 years, and and the gospel hadn't got to so many places. But in the more recent years, there's intentional mission societies who go, and if they don't know the language of the people they go live with them and try to understand. And if they don't have a language, help them actually create a language for, for their meaning, for their life, for what they, the way they communicate and find a way to communicate the gospel into their language. Today, the gospel is going all around the world at a rate that it's never been before. In fact, uh, Billy Graham did something recently uh, where he had preached on TV and satellite and it went over to 185 countries all at the same time, live. The gospel going to every part of the earth, missionaries in the rainforest and to the, to the pygmies and that live all the way out in, in, in Australia. You, you name the, the culture, uh, there's people sharing the gospel. So we're living in a time where we're seeing a fulfillment of that. And if God uh, hasn't made it to some location, 
stay tuned, he's about to. The gospel is reaching the ends of the earth. At least an opportunity to hear who this Jesus, the, the, the one who loves them, the one who paid a price for them, the one who conquered death for them and that loves them, and that offer of God's love and redemption is out there for the whole planet. We are reaching that time, because Jesus says that's a clear indication of are we living in end times or not. You couldn't have said this years ago. The gospel hadn't been to so many places, but now the gospel's reached all kinds of places, and I believe, according to my read of scripture, it's nearing what would be uh, towards the end of that, reaching where it hasn't gone uh, before. So that's amazing. One thing I want to say about this is as we talk about um, you know, revelation and we talk about God's plan for humanity and where you and I fit in the mix of this whole thing, uh, it's important to know that um, there are different Christian scholars that have some differing views on the sequence, the order of the rollout. Uh, there are some things that everyone agrees on, but maybe some of the timeline, does this come before this or does that come before that? There, there is some debate, and I want to be fair, and when these things come up, I'm going to share them with you. Uh, if people have some different views, they're in there. But here's what, what all uh, Christian scholars have agreed to. All agree that uh, no matter the fact that they differ in the nature of the rollout of end times, uh, they all agree that it's your relationship with Jesus that determines the end result for everybody. Everyone agrees that our relationship with Jesus has the deciding factor on how the end times roll out for us, the culmination and what it looks like. And so everything is based on our relationship with Jesus. Jesus determines our future. (laughs) So not only can we know the future, but Jesus determines where you and I fit in the future. Isn't that amazing? And he offers that freely. Freely, every good and perfect gift is from above. There's gifts available, there's opportunities available, the scripture's full of the parables of what God has in store for those who love him and what he wants to do, especially as this timeline kind of winds down. And so if you're a note taker, there's three really key points um, I want to share with you this morning. If you would maybe jot this down, this would help us get a, a good foundation on uh, understanding revelation and things of the end time and what things will look like. Um, The first point is this, uh, end times views differ, but all agree that our relationship with Jesus determines our outcome. End times views differ. That's okay. It's okay to have some different views and maybe not major in a minor. End times view differ, but all agree, at least all Bible-believing Christians and scholars agree that Jesus is the deciding factor. Our relationship with Jesus determines our outcome. That's really important to, uh, to, to know. And so um, if you guys can turn to Luke 21, we're gonna look at this passage this week as our main text because this is the very first time that we have recorded where the apostles came to Jesus and said, So what is it going to look like? How are we going to know? What are we going to see? What's going to go down? What's the order? How are we going to know? And and the setup is this. They're at the temple, uh, and the temple uh, was the key to life in Israel. It's the center of worship, and a lot revolved around the temple. And this temple was built beautifully. um, And so they're looking at this temple, and they're saying, Jesus, isn't this pretty amazing? Look at the way this is built. And Jesus uses the temple to tell them about the end. Jesus says, none of these stones are gonna be standing. 
And uh, they said, well, when is that going to be? And when are you coming back again? And what are the signs of the end? And this is such an amazing passage that this is going to be not only here in Luke 21. If you want to read this later, I encourage you to do it. You might want to write down um, Matthew 24. Matthew 24 has a parallel passage. You can read another version through Matthew's writing on this same passage. And if you want to read more, you can read Mark 13. Uh, Again, John Mark writing this down from Peter's words, writing down exactly what Jesus said as they're sitting around, talking about the temple that will come down, talking about what it will look like when he comes back and how we can tell these certain times. And so uh, let me jump in right here in uh, Luke 21. Uh, verse 5, if you have it on your, in your Bible or your phone app. And by the way, if you have the church app, the Bible is in the church app. So you can just open the church app and click Bible and search this stuff really easy. Let's look at this in sections. This first one, verse 5 through 36, goes like this. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, The time will come, will not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, watch out that no one, watch out that you are not deceived for many will come in my name claiming I am he and the time is near, do not follow them. And when you hear of wars and uh, uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, pestilence in various places and fearful events and great signs in heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and put you into prison and you will be brought before kings and governors and all on, all on account of my name. And so you will, hear, you will bear testimony of me, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand uh, how you will defend yourself. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of, you, none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and sisters and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, Uh, but not a hair on your head will perish. Stand firm and you will live. But you see Jerusalem, uh, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out and those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for a pregnant woman and nursing mothers there will be great distress in the land and the wrath against this people. Uh, they will fall by the sword and will be taken prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until, until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. I know that's a big passage. There's a lot going on right here, but let's see how this breaks down. Jesus starts right where they're at. They're in Jerusalem. They're at the temple. And Jesus says, if you want to know how that's going to go on, if you want to start talking about the temple and end times, Jesus is like, there's going to be some things in the future with signs in the sky and earthquakes and pestilence, but let me tell you about this temple. This temple, this city is going to get surrounded, and this city will be put under siege, and this happened 37 years or so after Jesus made this statement. This is exactly what happened, so part of this about Jerusalem was fulfilled 
And the rest that we're going to see in this passage is future and yet to come. The part that was fulfilled is that Israel had their Messiah right in their midst. Jesus, the promised one, the Messiah. And many Jewish people did acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. And they turned and they followed him. And, and they, they understood the kingdom of God, God's new promise, his new covenant through Jesus. Yet others didn't. And they turned him over to the Romans to be crucified. And as a result of rejecting the Messiah, the long-promised Messiah that Israel is waiting on forever, Jesus is like, yeah, the consequence is this temple doesn't need to be here anymore because there's a whole new way of worship. And Jesus was rejected. So Rome builds a siege against the city and destroys the temple. And what happened at that point in history in 70 AD, it's known as the diaspora, where the Jewish people scattered. And that's why the Jewish people were all over Europe and Poland and a lot of different places living throughout Europe and around the world because the temple was destroyed and that was the center of their worship. And Jesus said this is going to happen and this is in fact what does happen. So the prophecy tells this to Israel. This is what that prophecy says to Israel today. Anyone in Israel today, anyone that's Jewish today reading this prophecy, this is what it says to them. You missed the Messiah, but it's not too late. You can meet him now. You missed the Messiah. The Messiah said he was the Messiah. The Messiah said the temple's coming down. The, the Jewish people have been living around the globe for uh, 1,900 years, and not until recently have they come back in 1948 to Israel again. And there is no temple. There is no place of worship. And God only ordains one thing for Israel, to worship at the temple with sacrifice. All that is ruined and destroyed, and there's no need for sacrifice anymore because Jesus was the ultimate one. So anyone Jewish looking at it objectively through prophecy would have to say, Wow, I wonder why we haven't had a temple or a way to worship. I wonder if Jesus really was the Messiah. And then you see what Jesus says, and I think it's pretty apparent to anyone looking or searching. The Jewish nation missed the Messiah. There's a new covenant established that was promised from long ago. There'll be a new covenant, a new promise. It says that in the Old Testament, and it encouraged them to get in on life with Jesus and the new covenant. And so now Jesus tells them, uh, end times prophecy about his return, what it's going to be like when Jesus returns, because the return of Christ is the impending moment that we're all waiting for. A lot of people don't talk about this and doesn't get as much airplay, I think, as it should, but I think when we're living in times we are, we have to look at the return of Christ and look at it closely, because it's going to affect all of us, and Jesus jumps into that part, um, and he says this in verse 25, He says, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is going on in the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things take place, stand up, and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. This is basically saying this time on, on earth, it seems like our entire orbit, the axis of the planet, the earth, something is happening on a massive level. And the reason it's happening on a massive level, it says there's, there's signs. When you look at the sun, it doesn't look the same. When you look at the moon, the stars, it's different. Maybe the way the stars lined up at night, how come they're off now? Something monumental, cataclysmic, 
which tells me that, that, that God made the universe for us and God put everything on a timeline. He put, he put planets in their orbits and, and if God wasn't perfect in his sovereignty, we'd be too close to the sun and burn up. Or if it was the other way, we'd be in a stone age, we wouldn't even, uh, an ice age. We wouldn't even be here having this conversation today. But the point is God in his sovereignty has perfect order to things. But God is saying, well, at the end, you're gonna see some of that order unravel. The timeline, Romans 8 says that the earth even moans in anticipation. That, that, that the planet itself, like, it's got a timeline. It's, it's built with a lifespan, and, and it wasn't made forever, and we weren't made forever, and there's this built-in timeline where the earth even groans in anticipation of what God has to come. And so this is painting a picture where our environment's gonna be shaken, and when the environment gets shaken, people are gonna be shaken. Were any of you guys around Northridge earthquake? Anybody? Did it freak you out or what? It was, ma- it was big. I remember I went outside the back door and I, I literally was looking into people's yards, six foot fences, but it was rolling out like a sheet. And you could look in yards and people's pools were splashing everywhere. Everyone's refrigerator, every dish came out of every cabinet in the house. Refrigerators walked out into the living room and fell over. It was major. I remember going out in the backyard hearing people screaming because no one knew what this was about. And no one even knew it was an earthquake at the time because it was rolling in such a way that you're like, what is this? I remember looking in the sky and there were these big white explosions with no sound. And I'm like, what is this? Is this meteors? I mean, what, what is going on here? Come to find out it was the electric wires for the transformers blowing up. But I gotta be honest with you. I was out in my backyard with my German shepherd and I'm like, is this it, Lord? Is it on? Like, now? I mean, maybe it is. Wow. I didn't know it was going to happen like this. But here it goes. I guess we're ready. And I just want to encourage you, that's the way we got to live. That's the way we got to live. Because when you see this sequence rolling out here, it, it seems to suggest that although it waits wait for it. Although it tarries, wait for it. Although it may seem like God is slow and that his promises linger, uh, don't fall asleep, scripture would say. Be fully wide awake. Be fully aware of what God has in store and expect the return of Jesus and don't drift into a sleep. That is the the word for the church throughout um, this passage and I believe even for today. The word for the church is be wide awake and don't drift into sleep asleep. Jesus said this over and again in the parables, but I believe since we're living in a generation that actually meets the circumstance, we can go down the checklist, knowledge vastly increased, yep, no other generation could say that. What about transportation vastly increased? Yep, no other generation could say that. What about the gospel reaching the end of the earth? Uh, Yep, no other generation could say that. And so we're living in times of fulfillment where we got to be eyes wide open, prayerful and watchful, but not panicked, no anxiety. Uh, This passage is is amazing what it's saying right here. When it talks about these things, the environment shaking, other people are going to be, the words used are, in anguish, perplexed, and afraid, listen to this, of what's coming on the world. They will look at the star, the skies, the moon, even the oceans, it says are going to be, the bodies of water will be, it's all kinds of stuff going on, and they're going to know something is coming upon the earth. Like this isn't just something on the other side, they had a flood over there, or it's not just something is going on 
with the planet. Something is going on with the orbit. Something is going on with our solar system. Something major is happening and people will be in anguish, perplexed, and afraid of what's coming. But not you. The Bible says not you. You are not to be amazed. You are not to be perplexed. You are not to be in fear. You are not to be in anguish. You are, this says in verse 28, here's what you ought to do. You ought to stand up and lift your head up. Stand up and lift your head up because your redemption is near. And you weren't made for this place. You were made for eternity. Life is very short and eternity is really long. You weren't made for this place. Everything here is passing away. The problem is when we live this life down here thinking that it's not passing away and we think that this life is everything and then we live for everything in this world and we cling to everything and it's a, it's a rude awakening. But if we live this life saying, God, I want to make the most of my opportunities. I want to love you. I want to love people. I want to reach people. But ultimately, I wasn't made for here. I was made for there. He says, when you see this stuff going on, you don't, you're not to be like everyone else, freaked out or perplexed or confused or in anxiety. You are to stand up and lift your head up, it says in verse 28, because your redemption is right near. Any time now, any time when you see that will be the return of Jesus quickly and that's where you and I should actually get really excited about that. It might be scary because we don't know the way it's going to go down, but I'm telling you, you were made for it. And if God designed you to live in an end times generation, which I believe no one knows, we're going to see in a second, no one knows the day or the hour. Nobody. No, say nobody. nobody. Say nobody. 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 Not the Jehovah's Witnesses who guessed it, like prophesied it about five, six different times with clear dates. They don't know it. Jesus said no one knows it. Not the, uh, the Mayan calendar <laughs> with the 2012 must be over because the Mayan calendar ended. Remember, everybody was freaking out, right? Mayan calendar, maybe they knew something. No, no one knows the day or the hour. Not the lady down the street with the crystal ball on her front porch who wants to try to tell you your future. Nobody knows the day or the hour. But God has some things for us to reveal, to give us some pretty clear indications of the season that we're in, the season that we're in. So um, verse 27 says in here that the Son of Man will be coming in a cloud with power and glory when all this stuff is being shaken and stuff is moving on. Uh, That is amazing. That's called the rapture. Everybody say rapture. 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 Okay, we talk about a rapture. Where's the rapture in the Bible? I got to jump over to say this one really quick. First Thessalonians 4.15. I'm going to move at a really fast pace now because we got to cover some ground. But this is rich stuff, guys. Hopefully it gets you fired up of where you fit in God's timeline. Uh, First Thessalonians 4.15. Now this is a little bit later. Paul talking to a group of people. They understood the teachings of Jesus and they thought, well, isn't it right now or is it coming soon or did we miss it or what's going on? And Paul's like, no, let me show you, let me explain the way it's going to go down. And he gets into a little detail about how Jesus comes back for the church, the rapture. And he actually says this in 1 Thessalonians 4.15, says, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. If you have a Bible, you want to underline that. We are caught up, caught up together with him. Uh, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will. So it will be 
with the Lord, and we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. He's saying that everyone's going to see Jesus when he comes back. It's not like some are going to miss out on this. Everyone's going to see him. But with this loud command, and we don't know what the command is, it's going to be this, this loud voice of God some kind of way. I think it's going to be the Lord busting through in a cloud. Everybody look up, and he's saying, welcome home. Welcome home. But listen, the way it's going to go down is everyone doesn't get welcomed home. The welcome home is to the followers. It says right here, as a Christ follower, if you're a Christ follower today, that you will be caught up. Say caught up. That's the Greek word for rapture. We will be harpazo. We will be caught up. We'll be snatched away really quick. It's going to be a, it's going to be a grabbing and a pulling. You are going to get pulled into the presence of Jesus. You're not just going to drift or float on a cloud or play some little harp. You're going to get pulled <laughs> into the very presence of God. You're going to get pulled into the presence of God. And it's God's love that's going to pull you. You will be pulled by the love of God into the presence of God. And that's what we were made for. Not everything fleeting down here and the problems on earth and the tears in our eyes. We weren't made for this. We're going to a place where he wipes that all away. And that's what's going to happen. This rapture or pazzo, the pulling up by force, pulling up by the love of God. Here's the second point this morning. We can't know the day, but we can and should know the season. We can't know the day. Nobody can, nobody will. If anyone guesses it, they are a liar. Jesus said, no one, no one, no one knows the day. That means you and I won't crack the code, and nobody else, even in Christianity, is going to crack the code on the day, okay? There is no day to pick. Only God knows that. But, but we can and we should know the season. We can and we should know the season. In Matthew 24, I want to read this one real quick. Um, Matthew 24, 36, it says this. But about the day and the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying, giving to marriage and uh, up to the day that Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what was about to happen until the flood came and took them all away. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Listen, it says two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will return. This is amazing to me. This is talking about two guys are in the cubicle, poof, one is gone. But the earth's gonna be moving, there's gonna be stuff going on, and when this loud voice comes, this trumpet in the air, and Jesus coming back for his church, everyone's gonna know what's going on. Some are gonna go, oh no, I am so not ready, and I don't have a relationship with God, and I haven't done anything with my sin yet. And others are like, Yeah, I'm not perfect either, but I did do something with my sin, and I love Jesus. And at the same time, with the two people there, the rapture, the harpozo, the the pulling into the presence of God by his love is going to happen to the Christ followers, and that's what it's laying out right here. No one knows the day of the hour, but one thing it does say, end times will come when people are not expecting it. (laughs) I thought we had forever. Didn't we have forever? Thought we had forever. I mean, everyone thinks they have forever, especially if you have a loved one that you had to, that, that passed on. You, you realize, oh no, I thought we had more time. I think we all think that. It's only when we're forced with things like that that we realize, 
oh, life is short and we really don't have as much time as we think. And then we forget, we go back to life as usual. But then when someone passes again, we're like, oh, I'm reminded of the vulnerability and I'm, I'm reminded that we don't live forever and, and that we are made for heaven. And then we go back to what we were doing. The Bible says it's gonna be like the times of Noah. Everyone's gonna be like party on. It's just, it's on. Like everyone's just doing their deal and going about their way and doing their own stuff. And it's gonna be, oh, now? Like now? Like I don't have a lot of time to turn things around. It's like now. Now is the time. And so we're gonna talk more about what that sequence looks like because the Bible talks about a time of tribulation and we'll talk about when the one believers are pulled up in the timeline of that, of that uh, tribulation. My read of scripture is that the believers are pulled up before this time on earth, after what I'm talking about here, actually gets a lot more difficult. Uh, but there's other views and we'll, we're gonna look at that. And so uh, when two people are in the, the field and one's taken up, the other's not. And when two are at the mill and one is taken up and the other's not, I guess the question is, which one are you? I mean, which one are you? Which one am I? Am I the one taking up? Am I the one sitting down? Again, your relationship with Jesus determines all of this. But I would also suggest to you that your readiness determines it also. Uh, you guys may be familiar with the parable of the, the ten virgins or the ten maidens. Uh, they were about to be taken to this amazing wedding feast where the groom, being Jesus, is gonna come and bring everyone to this big celebration. And they were told, they were told, be ready, be ready, keep oil in your lamp. Have a little fire on the inside. Don't run out of fire, don't run out of steam, keep oil in your lamp. And five of them did that. They kept oil in the lamp. They're like, we're ready, we don't know when. Could be tonight, could be tomorrow. All I know is we better keep oil in our lamp because we don't know when exactly. And the other five were like, oh, come on, don't take it so seriously. I mean, when it's time, we'll run off and we'll try to get some oil and we'll try to get ready then. And in the middle of the night, boom, the bridegroom shows up and says, it's time, wedding's on, let's go right now. And the five really quick got their lamps ready, turned them up, here we go, it's awesome. And the other five are like, oh no, we don't even have oil. We gotta get some, there's none around. We gotta go look for it. We gotta go the other direction. And that parable was talking to us about being ready being ready for the return of Jesus. And so, uh, which one are you? Let me ask you a more important question too. Which one are you, but which one are your family members? Are they the ones that get raptured? Are they left behind? Which one are your neighbors? Which one are your friends? We gotta start thinking this way, guys. Because the kingdom of God's at hand. God loves you and he's calling us. He has you living in a time such as this. This is like, I wanna speak to your heart this morning. This may be a heavy message for you, but I gotta tell you it's a prophetic message and it's a timely message. And you gotta know you weren't made for this place. You weren't. Stop thinking you were. Doesn't mean you don't enjoy life. You have hobbies and you got fun stuff. That's all cool. Your healthy recreation and the things, that's all great. But you weren't made for this place. You were made to honor God and to be in his presence ultimately. And this life is just a test and it's a trial and it's a temporary assignment. And we're going through and we're passing tests and sometimes failing some tests. But ultimately our relationship with Jesus determines it all. And he is coming back. And he's coming back for those who are his. And we're either his or we're not his. It's not like, well, I was thinking about it and maybe today I will change my mind. It's like we're either his 
or we're not his. It's one of the two. And we either get pulled up or we don't get pulled up. This, by the love of God, literally, hard, literally like yanked up by the love of God, literally pulled into his presence. It's not this mellow thing. Something's going to happen. And then on earth, the Bible prophesies that there's going to be some stuff going on and there's going to be a shift down here with the presence of believers taken out. The culture shifts. And that's going to be a way more uh, intense season. Uh, and, and Revelation explains that. Uh, the last thing I want to share is Luke's passage, and this would be great if the worship team comes up. Going back to Luke's passage, verse 29. Talking about the end and how will you know? How will you know what the time looks like? Jesus said this, he told them this parable. He told them this parable, look at the fig tree and all of the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. He's saying that we can know the future by recognizing the seasons. No one knows the day or the hour, but we can know the future by recognizing the seasons. And he's talking to them about, here's something about seasons, a little crash course in seasons, he's telling Israel. You look at the fig tree. The fig tree, when you see the new sprout pop out, it's close, summer's almost here, and you're gonna know it's gonna be time to enjoy those figs. Jesus walked around, remember he went to a fig tree and it didn't have anything on it? He's like, that thing was supposed to have fruit, and it doesn't. So that fig tree is like, you know what I mean? And he, and he spoke against the fig tree. The point is this, in, in the Bible, there are many scholars who look at this fig tree symbolic of Israel, Israel's existence. And here's something about Israel. I, I believe Israel is the fig tree generation, so to speak. Israel has had no nation. Remember we started this passage out about the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple being 70 AD. So for 1940 years or something, the Jewish nation has been living all over the planet. And only since 1948, basically 1950 years almost since, since the Jews were scattered, they got to come back to officially have a land of their own, 1948. That's almost 2,000 long years of no place to call home. But now they have a place to call home. And that's new. When you look at the timeline of humanity, that's a brand new thing. Since they come home, and they're referred to in scripture symbolically as the fig tree. And there's some other reason to believe that. This is saying, Jesus is talking about the, this generation, this, this, this culture of people, this race of people, the Israelites. When they come back and when they sprout up, brand new sprout, watch, a generation won't pass. Does that make sense? When you see Israel come back, it's a new sprout. It hasn't been sprouting in the land for 2,000 years. They've been all over Europe diaspora. But now there's a coming back again after World War II where the nation said, this is wrong. They need their own place to live and they can't be persecuted like that. And rightfully so. They're given some biblical boundaries of a nation and say, here, you guys come, you live and thrive here. They've been attacked on sides a bunch of times. They still live on and they still thrive. But the, and God's always got a heart for Israel. He never stopped having a heart for Israel. In the end times, you're going to see even a greater fruition with Israel. Keep your eyes on Israel. They're right on God's chronological clock, Israel's right in the mix in a big way. But this is saying 
that when Israel sprouts, when you start to see the sprout, a generation won't pass. They were sprouted in 1948. And I don't claim to tell you how long a generation is. The race, the culture of people uh, won't go away. But I know, I know Moses was told that man's life will be limited to 120 years. Is a generation 80 years? Is it 40? Is it 100? Is it, I, I, I don't know. We're not going to guess. No one knows the day or the hour. But when you look at Israel as a culture, there's a, a generational marker to that culture. And Jesus said that will be a marker uh, that, the, that the end will come. So this newly sprouted generation uh, will actually come. And so the, the point is this. He goes on to say, be careful or your hearts. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and anxieties of life. And the day will close in on you suddenly like a trap. And it will come on all those who live on the whole earth, but be always be on watch and pray. Listen, pray that you'll be able to escape all that's about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of, of Man. He's saying the day, it's, it's going to be quick. It's going to be like the flood. It's going to come in like I didn't know it was going to be now. I thought I had time. He's like, that's the way it's going to go down. People are not going to think it's right now. It's going to be much more sudden uh, than they thought. Most people will never expect it. And I would just suggest to you uh, that on this, this rapture, the return of Jesus, the rapture, some get in and some don't. And Jesus says some will be able to escape. Listen, the ones who get in on this and get escaped, the ones who get pulled up, this is the context of what he's talking about, that he's going to come back and he's going to come back for his church and, and, and believers and, and Christ followers. He said the ones who do, the ones that are ready, the ones that are ready are going to escape what's about to come, which tells you, at least it tells me, that things on earth are going to be more difficult for those who stay than for those who leave. And I believe we're going to look at Revelation. You're going to see that sequence again, although some have different views. I think it's pretty clear from, from my reading of Scripture. So here's, here's what's in, important to know. He said, here's how you can escape it. Here's how you escape what's to come. Be prayerful and be watchful. And look out for your heart. Don't let your heart, he talks about different heart conditions that happen to people's hearts. He's like, look out for your heart. You be prayerful and you be watchful. Third point, to skip the great tribulation. Be prayerful and watchful and keep your heart right. If you do that, knowing Jesus is coming back, you're going to be in a place to understand. You're going to be in a place to see. You're not going to be like the ones with the lamp. What, I didn't have oil. I didn't know it was now. Is uh, You got a few extra hours. Uh, Let me try to go get things right here. Uh, There's not going to be time for for that. Christ followers that are ready, this is saying, will skip the next passage or sequence to come. And so when I look at Scripture, guys, we're just going to close in prayer. When I look at Scripture, I don't see anything left waiting that is necessary before the return of Jesus, which would be the rapture of the church. I, that mark, that day, no one knows the day or the hour, but I don't see anything left in the prophetic timeline that says, well, wait, we need these 10 things to happen before Jesus comes back. I don't see anything that, that suggests that in Scripture. And I would suggest to you that it could happen at any time, and so we gotta be ready. We gotta be ready. We gotta be prayerful and watchful and watch our hearts so that we can be ready. That's really important. And I love the way Mac... Uh, Mark 13 summarizes in the New Living 
translation, Mark 13, 36 says, don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. <laughs> like he's going to come back and it's not going to be without, with a lot of warning. He's going to show up. There'll be a trump. Everyone's going to notice like, whoa, what? everyone's going to recognize. And Jesus is like, it's on right now. Welcome home. Boom, come. And poof, he's going to pull by his love, his people into his presence. And he's like, when he comes back, don't let him find us sleeping. Not physical sleep, but spiritually checked out. Spiritually checked out. If you got friends and family members who were walking with God and have drifted, tell them, hey, time to wake up. Mom, dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, cousin, nephew. Time to wake up again. Come on. It's time to wake up again. It's time to let the light of Christ. You, you oh sleeper, let, wake up and let the light of Christ shine on you. It's time to wake up because we're living in a generation where it's not time to be spiritually asleep. It's not a time to have our heart caught up in something we shouldn't be caught up in. It's not a time to be weighed down with the wrong things. We're living in this time. And so guys, I want to encourage you, as we get into this book of Revelation, the Bible says there's a blessing for all who read it. There's a blessing, and you will have a clearer snapshot. You will have a confidence, a confidence of where you are on God's timeline and his purpose for you, and that his ultimate plan for you is sooner than it is later. That it's not, well, that's many, many, many generations from now. Probably not. No one knows the day or the hour. This isn't a doomsday thing. It's a celebration day thing. You gotta know you were made for heaven. You were made for eternity. So I wanna close in prayer, but I just wanna ask God to seal some of these things in our heart that we would really embrace the sovereignty of God placing you in in LA in such a time as this, wherever he's placed you as a believer, he's sovereign and wants you here now as the world is morphing and waking up and the prophetic calendar is about to go a little faster than it has before. So let's close in prayer. Mighty God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of it. And um, you're amazing. You've given us this um, phenomenal insight uh, to, to our future, to the future of the planet. And um, Lord, you, you say to remind each other of this so that we'd be encouraged. So you don't want anybody bummed out today or weighed down too heavy, but sometimes we need that wake up. Sometimes we need a spiritual kick in the pants. Sometimes we need a, a little uh, a, a heart to be like revived again that will understand your timeline, not ours. Uh, how do we fit into your timeline instead of how you fit into our timeline? Forgive us for thinking that way, God. But, but Lord, we're in your timeline and we're in a time where it's time to be spiritually awake, prayerful and watchful, And I just pray, God, for everyone in the room that you would just wake us up to a new level of opportunity with friends and family and others, not in some weird way, but in a genuine loving way to just speak the truth in love and to prophesy and encourage people that God loves them so much and he's calling them by name and our relationship with Jesus will determine everything. And this morning, God, as we talk about this, Lord, I just wanna offer that to those in this room that we can uh, know about you, God. We can even technically believe uh, what the Bible says about you, but until we personally uh, commit to making you the Lord of our own lives, personally, uh, until we can personally get off the throne and put you on and make you the Lord, that's what the, the Lord is, it's the King. Until you become the King of our lives, this doesn't really apply to us. We just know knowledge and information. But you become Lord when we get off the throne, hold up the white flag and put you on it. And Lord, I just wanna make that offer today to anybody trusting that you're knocking on hearts, saying, hey, you're hearing my voice. Now's the day. Now's the time. It's time to wake up, jump in all the way. 
And as the Lord is knocking on hearts this morning, I just want to agree with you in prayer so everybody's eyes closed and head bowed. If the Lord is calling you into relationship and commitment with him this morning, if you would raise your hand, I just want to agree with you in prayer this morning. Anybody that the Lord is calling into commitment to his lordship this morning? Amen. The Lord sees you. He's pleased with you. Anybody else this morning that the Lord's calling you? Amen. The Lord's pleased with you. Anybody else, he's calling you into his lordship. Not just know about him. Lordship. You are the king, Jesus. I'm off the throne. You are the king. I am not. Amen. Well, the Lord is pleased with you. And let me just ask God to seal some things in our hearts. Say this in the privacy of your own heart. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I turn. I follow you. I believe you rose from the dead. And if I believe in you, I will as well. But Lord, show me how to follow you. Show me how to turn from the things that are holding me back, slowing me down messing me up, throw me how to, show me how to throw off sin in my life and follow you, Jesus. Put your spirit in me and help me to grow so that I can walk in the fullness of everything that you have for me because that's my commitment from this day forward. And you can just tell the Father that in Jesus' name. The Lord's pleased with you this morning. The Lord's pleased with you for making that decision. Your whole future, your, your future changed this morning. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.